0: Hey everyone, Chris here from IELTSadvantage.com with another episode of the IELTS VIP podcast. So this is episode two of the IELTS VIP podcast and the premise of this is very, very simple. So we have a course called the VIP course. We have a large number of students in there and what we do each week is we ask them, give us a question and I will give you a very, very detailed answer um, on the podcast. So that's what we're going to do once a week. So the very best question we got this week um, was from a student who asked, how can I stay calm and focused during the speaking test? Um, And this is something that I actually experienced this week because I was doing my driving test this week. um, And I didn't think that I was going to be very nervous or very stressed out. But when I actually sat down to do it, um, I was not overcome with stress and emotion and but i definitely noticed that i got a little bit stressed out and it did actually affect my performance um a little bit i didn't fail or anything um but i registered that this is something that i give advice every single day um on and it's something that I should know about, but because I'm a human being, um, we all do get stressed out and we all do suffer from anxiety when we're in a test situation. So what I'm going to do is in this podcast, tell you the number one way you can combat stress, the number one way that you can get over stress and anxiety. And then we'll talk about um, how to deal with the examiner How to speak to the examiner, and we'll talk about each different part of the test and how you can stay calm and how you can stay focused um, in part one, part two, and part three of the speaking test. So, let's start off with the number one way that you can uh, overcome anxiety and overcome stress. So, in the context of the IELTS test, when you say that you're stressed out, or when you say that you're anxious, or that you are Fearful of the test, you're really just saying that you are afraid that you're going to fail. And why are you afraid that you're going to fail? You're afraid that you're going to fail because you know you haven't done enough work. You haven't done enough preparation. In other words, you know deep down inside you're not ready and you're not going to get the score you need. Any student who I've ever spoken to who has overcome with stress and anxiety and just can't perform um, during the speaking test, that normally comes out. Normally what the student will say is, I just get really stressed, I get really uh, anxious um, and I can't do this. But when I actually sit down and speak to them and ask them some questions, it really comes down to the fact that they know deep down that they didn't put the work in. So the number one way that you can combat stress um, when it comes to the speaking test is put the work in and put the preparation in weeks and months before the test. Because if you sit down and you're with the examiner and you know that you have put the work in, that you've done enough, that you are already at the score you need to be at, then you'll notice that you're not really that stressed out. Like when I was doing my driving test, I was doing uh, practice tests. They have an app, so you can do practice tests um, before you do it. And I was getting the pass mark every single time I did it. So when I sat down and started to get nervous, I just took a deep breath and told myself, like, you've done this five or six times already and passed during the practice sessions five or six times already. You'll be fine. Just calm down and, and you'll be fine. Same with students that we work with when students start to get nervous or start to get stressed out we tell them you've done it all the work your pronunciation is good enough your fluency is good enough your grammar is good enough your vocabulary is good enough you are already at that level so some so a lot of our students need a band seven or a band eight we have done mock speaking tests with them and we've either told them everything's good you're going to get the score you need or you need to fix this thing you know this thing about your pronunciation needs a little work this thing about your grammar needs a little bit of work and then they go away and they work on that Um, and then when they work on that and they are at that level then they do the test. Do not book the test and hope and pray that you're going to get the score you need take action and do the work and then get to the level you need to be at before you do the test And, and that will require that you do get yourself a good teacher and an expert to help you with that but and and a lot of the people i speak to say um two things either a i can't afford that or b i just don't have access to those people in in the local area that that i live in and a which is more expensive hiring a teacher and getting the feedback and the help that you need or b failing the test Um, Failing the test is going to cost you a lot more than hiring a teacher. Um, So that's something to consider, especially if you're going to fail the test multiple times. Um, The second thing a lot of people say, I just don't have access to a good teacher. Um, We have the Internet these days. You do not need to be in the same room as a teacher. You can just meet them online. So the students that we work with, we just go on Skype or Zoom or whatever app they want to use. And it's exactly the same as being in the room with them. Um, you do not need to be in the same room as someone. Um, in fact, you're better using online re- um, online teachers um, if you do live in an area where there just aren't you don't have access to good teachers because you can pick and choose the best teachers um, available. Um, the Internet opens up the whole world to you. So that's the first thing. If you want to be less stressed out and less anxious and more focused, uh, know that before you even book the test that you are going to get the score you need because you know that you've done the work and you've got feedback on it and everything. The, the second thing and the second reason why people get a little bit stressed out is because of the examiner. Now, you don't know who you're going to get on the day. It could be someone who is really, really, really friendly and really nice and helps you and you know, greets you in a nice way and smiles and you know, makes you feel at ease. Or you might get someone who is the complete opposite of that. They will greet you and there will be no expression on their face um, and you might think that they're unfriendly and, and that might put people off. Um, number one, it's not the examiner's job to be your friend. It's not the examiner's job to be nice to you it's not the examiner's job to smile with you and chat with you and um, they are there to give you a band score they are there to just judge your speaking they're not there to be your friend um many of the students that i've spoken to in the past have said oh i went into the test and he was horrible he didn't smile at me he wasn't friendly um and he just asked me the questions and there was no expression on his face it's like yeah he was doing his job um do not think that because the examiner is not trying to be your friend and be really friendly that you're going to get a really low score in fact it probably means that they really are focusing on your performance um, and helping you out with that so if you get an examiner that is not overly friendly um, and is not uh, you know smiling and, uh, and different and putting you at ease don't worry about it Um ignore them ignore that about them um, The examiner is maybe speaking to the 10th person that day, um, and they're doing their job, um, and they're a human being. They are going to do their job to the best of their ability, but they are listening uh, to the same people over and over, the same things over and over and over and over and over again. They're asking the same questions over and over and over and over again. Um, They're human beings. They might be tired. They might... Um, have had an argument with their girlfriend before, or they might have had an argument with their husband or their daughter before they went in there. Um, They're not there to be your friend, and don't worry if they're not overly friendly. Um, the, The third thing that will really put you at ease is, do not speak to the examiner like they are a recording device, like they are a computer just recording your answers. Many of the, the, the students that I deal with, we we um, deal with students every single day on the, um, helping them with their speaking. One of the main things that we say to them is just relax. You're speaking to me like I'm a human recording device. They Like you'll ask them, where are you from? I am from Ho Chi Minh City and I, and that's like speaking like a robot in a very robotic way. Um, that's not only going to affect your fluency and your pronunciation, it will actually affect your grammar and your vocabulary. Why is that? Because if you're speaking in that kind of robotic, very stressed out, very formal way, um, then your brain cannot process information as well as if it is very relaxed and you're speaking to the examiner like like they're a human being, then you're going to relax. Your fluency is going to get better. Your pronunciation is going to sound more natural, and your grammar and your vocabulary will actually improve because your brain is nice and relaxed and can flow and can process information a lot better. Um, So, I don't want to say to people "relax," um, because when you tend to say that to someone, they don't relax. Um, But the best—I don't want to say trick—but the best thing that that I can, the best piece of advice that I can give you when it comes to giving your best performance you know, on the speaking test is speak to the examiner like they're a friend or they're a colleague or they're your teacher. Think about the difference between how you speak to your friends or how you speak to your work colleagues or how you speak to your teacher that you know really well and how you would speak to an IELTS examiner. It's completely different. Your tone is different. Your fluency is going to be different. Your, your um, the, the, the type of answers you're going to be getting are completely different. Um, and, th- and what the examiner is looking for is just testing your ability to communicate normally in English. Um, they're not testing your ability to give like really, really formal, academic, um, robotic answers. So not only are you going to improve your performance if you speak to them like they're a friend or a colleague, um, you're going to um, help yourself relax. Um, I know that sometimes Uh, you're going to go into the room and the examiner's just going to be like hello and not smiling, not putting you at ease, but just pretend, pretend that you are an actress or an actor uh, in a movie uh, and you're playing a role and that role is someone chatting to a friend Um, that really, really, really does help um, and can solve so many different problems. So The next thing before we get into part one, part two, part three of the speaking test is um, focus on clear communication. So let's think about what the IELTS test is actually testing. They're not really testing how many phrases you memorized. They're not really testing how quickly you can speak, or they're not really testing how many academic words that you know. They're testing your ability to communicate clearly in English. So what students do on, on the test is they go in and they're thinking about so many different things. They're thinking of the correct words to use and the correct grammar to use. And is how is their fluency and how is their pronunciation? How is their sentence stress? How is their intonation? And you're overthinking everything. Imagine trying to, to do that on a daily basis, even in your own Language. Imagine having a conversation with somebody when you're thinking of all of these different things. Instead of doing that, again, speaking to the examiner like they're a friend and just speak to them and focus on clearly answering their question, on clearly communicating what you think about that question. You're not going to improve your grammar by really thinking about grammar or improve your pronunciation by really, really thinking about it. You are going to improve those things. By just allowing that those processes to operate in the background um, of your brain and just focusing on clearly communicating with the examiner. And if you do that, A, you're going to answer the questions much, much better, and B, you're going to calm down and you're going to focus on what you need to do. So now let's talk about part one, part two, and part three, and how you can remain calm and focused during each part. Now, part one is just normal, everyday questions about you. It's like small talk. Um, approach this part as a way to ease into the test, to become relaxed. Th- the first question, the first couple of questions, you're going to be nervous. Um, there's no way of getting around this. Um, but don't try and give like perfect, memorized answers in for the first part. Just try to give to focus on clear communication and ease into the test. Um, you do not need to be answering every single question bang on in in for part one. Do your best, and um, if you get a strange question in part one, just do your best and answer it to the best of your ability. But use part one as a way to just ease into the test. Um, and you're not going to lose marks by getting one question wrong you're being judged on the whole of your performance so if you get one question um, in part one that you're not completely sure about don't allow it to you know what happens with a lot of students is they'll get one strange question that they don't really know um, or they don't think that they know about um, in part one and then they get really nervous they think they failed and then they just throw away parts two and parts three I don't want to say that part one doesn't matter um, because that's not true. Um, but don't worry too much about part one and just use it as an opportunity to, to really relax you know to relax and ease in um, to the test. So that's part one. Um, part two is the long term, it's when the examiner is going to give you a card, you have one minute to prepare, you have one minute to plan out your answer, and then you should speak for up to two minutes. Um, what I would do is have a strategy for answering these types of questions for part two. Um, I have a strategy on my website. I'll link it um, in the show notes, um, and I'll link it below this video, um, and I'll, pu- I'll put it in the comments later. But if you just Google IELTS Advantage part two strategy, that's one strategy you can use. Um, but what I would – I'm not saying it's the only strategy you know, or it's a magic you know it's it's going to lead to a band 9 if you use that strategy the key is that you are going into part 2 prepared with some sort of strategy because that is going to mean that you uh, do things more automatically you're not leaving it to chance um, and it also means that you are going to practice using that strategy um and it's really part two the key is to practice using some kind of of way of answering that um and it's as easy as Learn a strategy, get lots and lots and lots of Part 2 questions, um, practice using that strategy, record yourself or use it with your teacher, um, and then on on test day, when you see that cue card, you know what to do, and it's just about adding your own ideas into the strategy. So that's what I would definitely recommend doing. Google IELTS Advantage or go to the IELTS Advantage website um, and look for the Part 2 strategy. So Part 3 Um, In part three, they're going to ask you questions that I don't want to say are more difficult, but definitely more abstract. Um, Part one is questions about you. The great thing about part one is you can't get the questions wrong. There's no such thing as getting them wrong because they're about you. They will all be about you. Um, The difference between part one and part three is You might talk about yourself a little bit in part three, but they're more a discussion of ideas, of abstract ideas, rather than about you. And the thing to remember for part three is it's nearly guaranteed that you're going to get at least one really, really difficult question. Um, And if you do get a really difficult question or a question you think is difficult, try to answer it to the best of your ability. Um, Because what the examiners will do in part three is if they think that you are really good, if they think that you're at about seven, eight, or nine, they will ask you more and more difficult questions to stretch your um, your ability, to really test your language, um, your linguistic ability, your speaking ability. So if you get a really difficult question in part three, that's good. If you're getting really easy questions in part three, that means either that, you know, you're really, you're great and you just find all questions easy or it means that the examiner doesn't think that you're very good and they've just asked you really easy questions because they have kind of made their mind up um, and they don't think that you're at one of those higher levels. So if you get a really difficult question, just you have to attempt it Um, and, and the best way to, that I can suggest that you answer part three questions is think about it in the same way as you would structure a um writing task 2 um main body paragraph state your answer or why s- people believe that um explain why you think that and then give an example and then you can add in another point explain why you think that or why that is and then give an example and c- the example could be a personal story or it could be something that you heard or a newspaper article or something like that and um, that will enable you to to have some sort of structure and will enable you to really develop your answer and always give an answer. Don't just say, I have no idea, um, and, and allow yourself to to do as well as you can. And if you do all of those things, um, you're going to be very, very focused on what you need to do, and you're going to do your best. Uh, it's not like you'll be able to guarantee that you won't feel a little bit nervous, um, a- and that's actually good if you feel a little bit nervous because that will – give you the energy and the focus required um, but it will mean that it you're not overcome with nerves and stress because if you are, are really 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 nervous um, then it is going to affect your fluency your pronunciation your grammar your vocabulary because your brain in many senses will just shut down and um, think of other times when you are really really nervous how's your speaking even in your native language and um, let's say you want to go out out with a girl or a boy that you really find attractive and you want to go up and talk to them and ask them out on a date are you normally very fluent um are you using a good range of vocabulary no you're like uh 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 you, d- you can't speak it's because your brain isn't functioning very well um and if you are able to do that um or if you are able to focus and stay calm then you really are going to improve your performance Hope that you find that useful. Um, If you need any help um, with your IELTS preparation, there's two things you should do. Number one, go to IELTSadvantage.com. You can just Google IELTS Advantage and you'll find a lot of help, not only with speaking but writing, listening, reading. Um, If you want the help of myself or one of our experts here at IELTS Advantage, um, we do have a very, very small number of places available um, we only work with a very small number of people, but if you're interested, um, feel free to send me an email, chris at ieltsadvantage.com, and we'll have a chat with you and see if you're the type of student we want to work with. Thank you very much. Hope that you find that useful, and if you need anything, feel free to get in touch. Thank you. Bye-bye.